back in the day 162 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, we find ourselves in Second Samuel chapter 6. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge. Uh, we're reading through the life of David, and, and uh, David certainly has many high points in uh, his pursuit of God. He is a young man after God's own heart. He's won some incredible victories. He's conquered Jerusalem turned it into his capital city, won some major battles over the Philistines. The kingdom is consolidated under his rule and under his power. All the tribes have pledged their allegiance to him. And David's next move is to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into the city of Jerusalem and to centralize worship as well in the city of Jerusalem. And things do not go exactly as uh, David might have hoped. He's a little bit careless uh, with his handling of the Ark. So before we read uh, 2 Samuel 6, let's do as uh, we always do, realizing what an incredible gift we have in the Word of God. Where we see the deeds of God, we see the heart of God, we hear the call of God. Uh, every word of it, when Scripture speaks, God speaks. Every word of it is breathed out by His Holy Spirit. And of course, He has given us the gift of His Spirit by which we might read and understand and be transformed by His words. We pause in a holy moment. And we offer ourselves to the Lord. So, David, um, before we read, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Now let's pray. And Father, we do thank you so much for the gift and the beauty of your word. Thank you how from page to page it reveals your heart, your character, your desires. And most importantly, points us towards Christ. And so we thank you for the deep truths that we see. May they build us up. May they convict us where we need conviction um, comfort us where we need comfort and father in all things we ask that you would be glorified as we now turn to your word help us to to hear it um, to respond to it to obey it um, and may you build up your people as we now turn to the scriptures we pray us all in the name of jesus amen, amen. second samuel six david again brought together all the able young men of israel thirty thousand he and all his men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it in from the house of Minadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Minadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of God, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom in everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all of Israel bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. 
As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of the Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would have done. David said to Michal, Before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel, I will celebrate before the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this, and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you have spoken of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So you see a very festive moment in the life of Israel that has a very shocking uh, you know, pause in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, David uh, realizes uh, that, uh, that God is this is a holy God. He is a God, you know, both uh, who, in his holiness, is many times unapproachable in his love. He has made a way for us to approach him. Uh, but there's a very careful entrance into his presence. And David has neglected God's instruction on how to worship him. And so the ark was carelessly brought in on a cart rather than carried by priests on the poles that were made for the ark. And the unthought of happened. The oxen stumble and the ark is about to fall over. And one man heroically tries to steady the ark, but he touches the ark, which is forbidden the ark where we've already been reminded that God is enthroned between the cherubim mm-hmm. and God's wrath breaks out against him. And God reminds Israel that he is a holy, holy God. Mm-hmm. There's a great kind of juxtaposition here that we do see where we're reminded that they, they recognize rightly that they again have God's presence with them. And so they're celebrating with all their might. They're singing, they're rejoicing. You know, it's almost like that that idea of God is imminent, you know, and they, they recognize it and they're responding to it. And yet at the same time in the story, we see the transcendence of God and, the, and God's holiness, you know, and, and that might have, that was one of the things that just unfortunately, it just seems like as we're reading this account, it's one of those accounts that happens and you're like, wait, what? You know, he tried to do something that was good and yet he did something that was out of step and out of line with God's word um, and, you know, and, and really you just you get the sense of like the carelessness, like you said, they rather than carrying it in they put it on a cart we don't get any mentions of you know levite priests carrying the ark and maybe you know these guys were i don't know but it it just seems like they're taking god's presence lightly of course you know their sons of aminadab so they are you know part of the priestly family but they're uh, approaching the ark you know in, in a wrong and it reminds us that even Aaron's sons, initially when the tabernacle was mm. you know, set up, they offered strange fire. And uh, we really don't know what strange fire is, but it is not the kind of incense or the kind of burning or the kind of you know, altar fire that the Lord had prescribed. And God you know, judges them immediately. Of course, you have the same thing in the New Testament. You know, When God immediately judges Ananias and Sapphira mm-hmm. uh, for pretending to be more spiritual than they really are. 
And of course, God doesn't always break out an immediate wrath on people who pretend to be more spiritual than they really are, or none of us would be seated here at this moment. But God does in these moments, as we're taking first steps into new phases of Israel's story, remind us of his holiness and remind us of his presence. And that is, you know, taking place, you know, here, here in this passage and in a very, you know, very strong yeah. pattern. Something that strikes me um, as I read that specific part is that I react to reading that and I think, well, he's just trying to save it. He's just trying to help. But um, then I'm reminded that God sees his intentions. God sees his heart behind the action. And we don't see that. We don't, all we see is the action. So, um, you know, whether he was just trying to help or maybe he was, you know, pridefully thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one to say this, or maybe God, I mean, God doesn't need any of us to save the ark from falling because he's God, right? He can do whatever he pleases. So, um, I just think, for me, what I can kind of, one thing I can get from that or take away from that is that God sees the intentions of his heart and we can't. And so I have to trust that what God did is good and holy and, you know, he, he our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Now that, you know, that is true. These are, these are shocking, you know, to us. Um, but the way we define, you know, the way we define justice is all important. Uh, if we define justice, you know, by our sensibilities, uh, then God is going to offend our dis- sensibilities. But if mm-hmm. we would find justice you know, by God, uh, who has, you know, both because of his character, uh, the right and even the necessity to judge sin, and um, because of his character, uh, also extends mercy, is rich in mercy and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, that we we trust him in these moments. And as, as Abraham said to him, you know, I... Uh, Right before Sodom and Gomorrah, will not the God of all the earth do what is right and just? And so everything he does is right and just. It, it may escape our immediate attention or our immediate sensibilities, but we know that he is, he is right and just. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the second time you see David, you know, much more careful. They are carrying the ark. There's not a whole lot of mention. It's just something we notice that they've gone to a proper way. And they take six steps before they complete that seventh step. You know, they stop and they offer you know, sacrifices. And, and of course, David is leading an exuberant, you know, worship, you know, wearing a linen ephod, not his royal robes, not, you know, walking, you know, indignity, you know, indignity. Dignity is a word we're looking for <laughs> behind all of that. Uh, not walking, you know, in dignity before the ark of the Lord, but uh, actually doing what, you know, just any crazy little you know kid might do he's really rejoicing in his exuberance and his rejoicing and uh, Mikhail looking down she's says, oh my goodness David you know couldn't you be a little more Presbyterian in this moment <laughs> and uh, you know, that's exactly is right the linen me. ephod is that like kind of a reference back to like priestly wear garb or no no, no, it is. Okay. Uh, you know, the ephod is is the undergarment. You know, the priest. You know, the the priest would wear, and it is distinguished gotcha. by the word ephod. You mm-hmm. know, rather than simply tunic. So it is. He is taking on. You know, he is taking on a priestly role. Which is an interesting thought, just of the whole priest king idea. No. Um, that we've talked about about Melchizedek, and, and not not to say that he is in this moment being a priest king, but it's almost like it's referring back to the priest. I don't know. It was just a passing thought. No, you had. you do find you do find those 
Uh, you do find in David, and of course, this is what Saul was judged for. Uh, Saul was judged for offering, you know, sacrifices. You right. do have here David offering, you know, sacrifices. You do have him, and when he fought, and you do have, you do have the coming together, you know, of a, uh, and you'll have all three in David. Uh, you you will have, you have the coming together of the Old Testament offices of priest and king and, and prophet, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, Jesus said. <laughs> David speaking of the Holy Spirit. So you have, you know, David taking all three of those roles, which are pictured in, a, in an incredible way, you know, in, in, in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's acceptable, you know, from the person, of, you know, from, from the person of David and the way it wasn't acceptable, you know, from the person of Saul. So was his dance, I have a lot of questions, more <laughs> questions than I do actual insights today, but was his dancing in his rejoicing was that do you think that is pleasing to the lord i mean we know it's not pleasing to his wife but um like do you i mean he wasn't being necessarily irreverent because we don't see any sort of like punishment from the lord here what do y'all think i don't get a comment like directly right that in this sense the Lord was pleased with David's dancing, but I think we know from passages that when God does we know that, that He wasn't struck down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we, we know that. We know He was not pleased with it. Was, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just gonna say we we know from passages in other places when you know God's God's children's hearts are aimed towards Him and, and delighting in Him, He's pleased with that. And so mm-hmm. you know, I we don't get an immediate um, kind of comment from the Lord like hey, this pleased, but I don't see from other passages why we would think any differently. I've seen a lot of people dance, and I'm pretty sure the <laughs> Lord wasn't pleased with it uh, when you do that. No, I, you know, I always think about this thing in, the, in terms of my kids. They came into the world singing and dancing, yeah. uh, full of joy and, and rejoicing. And, and of course, the, the Psalms continually, you know, cried for us to respond to the Lord with shouts of joy and mm-hmm. with singing and with dancing and with the sounds of timbrels and of and, and of praise. And, and so there is that kind of childlike presence in the Lord where we simply exuberantly, you know, lose ourselves in rejoicing over Him. And I and I certainly think you know God is, you know God is you know God is pleased, you know, with that. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think you know in most of our you know. Uh, evangelical worship settings, we we could show just a little more joy, you know, in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, that yeah. we need winning ephods and you know exuberant dancing, but you know, a lot of us should tell our faces what a joy it is to respond, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the goodness of the Lord. Our hearts, you know, should sing, and our, mm-hmm. our, our, you know, our. It's just a whole whole body response, yeah. you know, you to the Lord. And and I you know and I I know it could be distracting in a, a service like ours if someone you know fulfilled every you know command you find in the Psalms, but I know that the God is pleased with a joyous childlike yeah. response to Him. And well, it does want us to see that that contrast where you know David does have joy well up, welling up in his heart. He is celebrating, and yet you get that note where you know she sees him and she despises him in her heart. You know, and so you're watching these kind of two. You know, it's not just actions unfolding, but you know, Jesus would tell us that you know we do. You know, what flows from our heart, we speak what flows from our heart, and so, mm-hmm. you know, we're watching this kind of this unfold. And um, even even as I was thinking about this, um, you know, if we were thinking about what was the Lord pleased with, what was He not? You know, we, we've seen hints along the way of what's going to be 
you know, just this kind of continues in Aaron David's life and the way he treats his wife, you know, there's lots of concubines. But even here, his comment back to her when she addresses him, was a pretty snarky comment. You know, it's like... <laughs> it's a very firm, you know, comment. <laughs> and this is where, you know, scripture could use some emojis, <laughs> you know, because tone, you know, tone would be everything here. Yeah. And and I'm sure he is a little put out with her, you know, at, at, at this point. And, and certainly... Uh, the chronicler, you know, uh, the one who is writing, you know, this is a little bit put out with her because she gives that epitaph yeah. and uh, you know, of barrenness, you know, there at the end, which mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, you know, shows God's displeasure, uh, you know, with her. She's not having the covenant fullness, you know, dwell, you know, dwell in her heart and life. And of course, all of my friends who are very dignified in worship uh, also get very undignified when it comes to watching basketball games and football games and things very like that. Undignified. And you ought to kind of measure your enthusiasm for one over against your enthusiasm for the other. Mm-hmm. We've gone well over our time limit because Katie wants to know whether she can dance on Sunday or not. And I hope I'm we I hope, to see what happens I, I, I hope we've been ambiguous enough. Have a background yeah. dance team on stage. Yes. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have given us cause to dance and to sing and to be undignified uh, before you. Uh, May we have a childlike response to you and may our response be not simply a response of going through the motions when we worship you, but when we worship you, may the joy that you have flooded our hearts with through uh, the redemption we have in Christ Jesus uh, uh, be expressed in everything we say or do. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.